This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome back to The Bunker Daily. I'm Minnie Rahman making my presenting debut today. COVID-19 has been a disaster for most art sectors, with clubs, theatres and music venues shut, gigs cancelled and revenue streams decimated. But while we're all confined to our living rooms, social media has provided a valuable platform for comedians to showcase their work and to pick holes in the government. To talk about this, I'm delighted to be joined by Rosie Holt, an award-winning comedian and actor who has taken the Twitter sphere by storm in lockdown. You can find Rosie on Twitter at Rosie is a Holt, where her videos parodying British life, culture and politics provide us all with some sharp relief in these tough times. Hi Rosie, how's it going? Hello, hi Minnie, I'm fine, thank you. Oh, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> Very well. You've been acting and writing stand-up comedy for a long time, but you've recently ventured into a new style designed specifically for social media. Apart from COVID-19 shutting everything down, what was the inspiration for this new style of comedy? Uh, Well, it sort of happened by accident. I mean, like everybody, I was going crazy in lockdown. And then it was during the Black Lives Matter protests. And Sadiq Khan had posted on Twitter. I think that they were they were taking down um, a statue in London. He sort of explained why he was taking it down and that it had links to slavery. And there were lots of comments underneath uh, of lots of angry people saying, this is against democracy, you're erasing history. And I was sort of um, scrolling through these comments and I had this idea of... Uh, inventing this character or using these ideas using these comments and uh, following them through to their logical conclusion yeah I used this character to 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 take these ideas these people were saying and then followed them through so she I had this character saying all these things but it turned out that she had sort of Nazi memorabilia and then it kind of blew up so it kind of went from there, really. I wanted to talk to you a bit about that, actually, because I've seen a lot of comments on your videos where people are saying that this is real instead of satire. And I think that kind of speaks to the confusing nature of the Internet. And, you know, we're increasingly seeing this kind of new form of social media being utilised by campaigners from both the right and the left. You know, for example, so-called TikTok teens mobilising to buy up tickets to Donald Trump's rallies or even the Home Office putting up videos about do-gooder lawyers. Do you think social media is a force for good in terms of campaigning or is the spread of fake news too difficult to combat? I know it's tricky. I mean, what I, I definitely don't set out to trick people. And what I try to do is I try to expose how flawed people's and how silly people's arguments are to begin with. Um, like when I was talking about the statues, uh, although I was taking comments from ordinary people on the internet, certainly recently what I've tried to do is take comments from politicians and sort of social commentators. I try to expose what they're saying so that if anybody is 
fooled by by what they've been saying. They're at least seeing that the argument is incredibly flawed and stupid. So that that is my hope, at least. Though I do get a few, I've only had a few people praise me for it and go, "This is this is a great idea. Well done. Keep up the good work." And that makes me worried. Uh, but luckily, they're few and far between. Yeah, you do seem to have a, a specific preference for challenging home office narratives. Um, and that's a topic that's very close to my heart, as I think listeners will know. What is it specifically about Pretty Patel that makes her a joy to caricature? And, and what is it about this government that makes them so easy to attack? I mean, it, it's interesting. I think part of the, the problem is, is because Boris has surrounded himself with people who are specifically Brexiteers, as opposed to people who are competent. So usually in government, even, and not necessarily, I'm not sort of pointing fingers at conservative governments, because I think often you've had governments where they'll they'll, they'll surround themselves with people who have difference of opinion, but Boris sort of prizes lo- loyalty. So he's had people instead around him who 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 aren't the best at the job, but but because they're Brexiteers, he's put them in positions of power. So I think what's crazy at the moment is you you have people who are incredibly incompetent, or people who aren't Brexiteers, like Matt Hancock, but who are complete worms and will sort of sort of sort of stand there and defend what's being said because they've sort of sold their soul to the devil. Really, I mean, Pretty Patel is just extraordinary. She's she's so dreadful and her policies are so awful. And um, I mean, she's kind of great to take the piss out of. I don't know if you can say it on this podcast, but um, I mean, <laughs> when, when she was attacking the sort of lefty lawyers, I couldn't believe it. I thought this is such divisive language. And what an awful woman. Um, and, and I mean, um, I think also the, these politicians, is they're all so keen to, because there's been so many U-turns in, in the government, you have these politicians who kind of rush to defend Boris Johnson, like the free school meals. So they'll sort of, they'll, they'll kind of do all these crazy defences of why it's, 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 a, it's a good thing that we're not feeding children. And then when Boris Johnson U-turns, they're all left looking pretty stupid. I mean, there's an abundance of material at the moment. What's your favourite video that you've made so far? I was pleased with the, I mean, we just sort of touched on the Lefty Lawyers one. I was pleased with that one. I mean, the the, the ones, it's funny, I can't, I've put ones about sort of the, the culture wars and Black Lives Matter, and those ones are relatively easy to do because they're quite reactionary and people sort of react quickly and and to make them I can just sort of go on Twitter and look at what people like Darren Grimes are saying who's such a ridiculous character but I think I get more sense of an achievement doing things about the home office I mean the home office Twitter account is incredible I I mean what's so funny is they'll put something out and then all, all the lawyers on Twitter will sort of pounce on it and expose what they're saying as as complete rubbish and legally completely inane which is wonderful I always have this sort of perpetual question in my mind about how do we as campaigners or people trying to change uh, the situation for, for example, for migrants themselves or just in general politics, how can we do that using social media? And it seems to me that, you know, the, the kind of videos you produce are, are 
that way inclined in that you would hope they would reach a, a broader audience. Do you have any ideas about how social media could be used to to reach other people or to, to push on those conversations uh, aside from, you know, the kind of satire? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, actually, I think one of the, to completely contradict myself, I think one of the good things about humour on social media is it does get through in a way sometimes arguing with people on Twitter doesn't. Um, I mean, I, I hate myself when I get involved with people uh, arguing on Twitter because it, it really gets you nowhere. I mean, case in point, I got involved arguing about <laughs> the, the Christmas song yesterday Oh. And um, by the the Pogues, and I, I thought, what am what am I doing? This is this is a sort of manufactured culture war, and it's getting me absolutely nowhere. And it, it doesn't it doesn't really get you anywhere. But I find sometimes if you if you put something into a funny video, it does make it does make people look at things differently, and people end up showing it so wide wide widely that some sometimes it does make people look at things slightly differently. I mean, the arts in general are always used as a sort of political influence. And, and at the moment, it's quite difficult for those who use art as a way to get political messages across. And a lot of noise has been made about the lack of help for the arts at the moment. And what, what do you think the government should be doing to help the arts industry? Yeah, I mean, the government is... Uh, I do feel the government does not really care about the arts industry at all I don't think it has any understanding of of art actually this government which doesn't help I mean we could do with more money (laughs) which would be which would be great it doesn't help that the the arts have always been very uh, predominantly left-wing and this government isn't so I don't think they're very predisposed to helping us at all but you know the arts are important, and and other countries, you know, looking at France, do 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 provide lots of help to the arts, and and they're important. I think a them they they make people happy, they they give people relief, but also they do provide a different way of of looking at things and looking at the world and looking at politics, which which again I think the government probably don't like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I agree that that there is definitely space to get art and activism together in a, in a more robust way, and and to put those messages out there through different platforms, especially because you know politics can be so inaccessible and hard for people to um to understand, and and visual and artistic messages are, are much more powerful in a lot of ways. Um, and, and with that in mind, you know, what are you planning on getting up to when COVID is gone? Is is Twitter here to stay or is it back to the stage for you? Um, hopefully Twitter's here to stay and hopefully this, the stage will. I mean, it was funny. I was due to, before COVID hit, I was due to go to um, America with a theatre tour, which completely fell through uh, for obvious reasons. But yeah, no, I, I definitely want to keep on doing this just because you know without sounding completely wanky it's 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 um it's good to hold the government to account in in any in in the way that I can in 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 the sort of you know in in the way that I can in in my my little 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 way (laughs) and is there anything that you're sort of burning to make a video on but just haven't got around to yet 
There's always sort of things I end up um, sort of putting aside that I'm kind of interested in. Things like the license to kill Bill, but things that are quite dark and you end up thinking, oh God, how can I make this funny and accessible? I have a sort of pad of things that I write down and I think, oh, I'll put you aside and maybe get to another point. (laughs) I mean, at the moment, I'm definitely going to try and do something on Pretty Patel. Yeah, there's so much that you can take from that. I mean, I am curious about how you manage to put out parodies so quickly. You know, sometimes it's within a day of, of a chaotic government announcement. You know, does it take a lot of research on your part or is this something that you're just following so closely that you can sort of pull them out of the bag as soon as they happen? And and how do you differentiate between something that's going to make a good video and something that, you know, won't be very interesting? It depends really on the subject. I mean, sometimes, I mean, again, what's so great about Twitter is you can tell the things that are trending. Though sometimes I will just go on something that I, I care passionately about. But it depends on the topic. I mean, certainly if I'm doing something about Brexit, like, for example, when they said they were breaking the international law in a, a, you know, in a specific way, I was very conscious of, of, of wanting to research it. Even, even though it's a parody and you can, you can get away with what she's saying because she's, she's obviously not real. And she, I, I, I want to make sure that I know what I'm saying. So I make sure that I've I've researched it. There's, you know, this is kind of a new style of of campaigning or activism. And there's quite a few comedians who have popped up in the last few months, you know, kind of taking the Twitter sphere by storm as you are. And is there anyone that you would really love to collaborate with or, or to work with or anyone you particularly admire for the work that they're doing? Yeah, I mean, the obvious person, I think Michael Spicer in The Room Next Door is wonderful. I think he's so good. But what's been wonderful about lockdown is it's brought all sorts of other people to the fore. Alistair Green, I've been aware of for a while. He's he's great. Also, Josh Berry, who I don't know if you've seen, but he's he's really brilliant. He does sort of these advisors to Boris Johnson. Also, there's some really wonderful parody accounts, which Michael Govan Reddy really always makes me laugh but I do collaborate a bit with him he does these silly um videos called the Tories which I do all the female voices for which he releases every week um but I I certainly yeah I mean certainly people like Michael Spicer and Alistair Green Josh Berry I'd I'd be interested in collaborating with but it's it is exciting I think it's a really good time for satire at the moment and comedy because there's just there's just so much out there. I mean, but even if, as I say, exciting, it's depressing because it's exciting because our government is so appalling, and that in itself is quite sad. So, what what do we do when we have a good government? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that is very good. Point. And uh, just finally, I think, you know, as the queen of comedy, do you have any top comedy recommendations for our listeners? Top comedy recommendations? Well, uh, Sean Burke, who doesn't do political comedy, but is is very funny. Flora Anderson um, is brilliant. There's There's some really good comedy on Twitter, especially because Twitter can be quite toxic and nasty and angry and divisive I think that's what's quite nice about comedy at the moment because it may be sort of taking the piss out of people but it's it's not so vindictive or it is but it's vindictive of the right people which I think is important 
I definitely think the listeners will appreciate some lockdown recommendations. Um, Rosie Holt, it's been a pleasure. I don't think you'll be short on content in the foreseeable future. So I really look forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you for joining me on The Bunker. Thanks so much, Minnie. Thanks for having me. Listeners, remember there's a new Bunker Daily every Wednesday, Thursday and Friday with Start Your Week on Mondays and the main panel show on Tuesdays. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. You can also back The Bunker on the crowdfunding platform Patreon. Just see our Twitter or Facebook or search Patreon Bunker Podcast. See you next time. The Bunker Daily was presented by Minnie Rahman. The producer was Andrew Harrison. The assistant producers were Jacob Bargefold and Yelena Sofronievich. An audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production.